Welcome to the Inside Edge. I'm Bob McElligot alongside of Jody Shelley. The Blue Jackets are now into their all-star break and won't play a game until next Friday night, believe it or not, <laughs> at home against the Toronto Maple Leafs. So coming up on this show with this big break, Jody, we were figuring that because it's that time of year where, you know, the president usually gives the State of the Union, we figured we could do the same thing with the president of hockey operations, John Davidson. He'll be here in just a bit to give us the state of the Blue Union, state of the Blue Union. I don't know, whatever, <laughs> whatever, whatever you want to say, uh, to let us know exactly what's going on with the Blue Jackets. And, uh, and there is a lot going on with them. Uh, they went out west, played that four-game road trip, found some elements of their game. Now it's about, well, I would say it's about keeping those elements consistent. But again, as we saw, and we seem to see it almost every night, how do you keep them consistent when you continuously lose players with injuries? Yeah, I mean, you know, they don't talk about it a lot, but it's been one of those seasons, and it'll be great to talk to John Davidson about it because their ultimate job is to know what they have realistically on a, on a given basis. It's one thing to draft and have players that with potential come in, but, you know, we'll have to see what he says. But it's got to be a – it's a tough situation for them and, and, you know, for the players themselves. And you got to think about – what, how this affects the organization and some of the pieces because you're going to see some pieces leave here at, at the trade deadline that aren't signed, and hopefully that means that the pieces that they've seen are going to replace them. So it's a, it's a kind of an awkward season with the hype that came in in July with Johnny Goodrow, and then, you know, you get the injuries and the depth chart and everything's out of whack, and, and you don't see this team right now lining up to be any kind of playoff contender. So and that's the ultimate, you know, push for them. So... We'll see what happens, and, and consistency is a funny word, right? I mean, an 82-game season, you're seeing all kinds of teams that, you know, there's not a lot of consistency. There's some in the league, but there definitely is a lot of inconsistency. But health is the biggest one that you don't plan for, and you, you don't plan that for any time of the year. And when you lose Wierenski and your goalies can't stay healthy and, you know, your depth chart is, is losing pieces like Nyquist and, and Jenner was out for a bit, it's, it's hard to patch it through. And that's why you've seen all these losses uh, stack up. Well, and you talk about that, and every team has injuries, and, but the number of injuries to the key people, case in point, last night played against the Washington Capitals, no Tom Wilson again. They've been without him much of this season, but – it's not like they lost Alex Ovechkin at the same time. Or I know Backstrom was out for a long time, too. They muddled through it. But this is four, five, six, seven, sometimes as many as nine guys out of the lineup per night. That's, that's why it's tough. Like you said, it, it's hard to evaluate. It's hard to create consistency. You can't get chemistry going because every night it's something different. Well, the thing about the Blue Jackets, too, I mean – Two years ago, the transition started when you lost Jones and, and Felino left and Atkins and all those pieces that were here that understood playoff, a, a touch of playoff success and, and kind of what it was like to be a Blue Jacket. And those pieces are gone. You bring in young pieces that first year in the NHL, Kent Johnson, second year, Cole Sillinger. Now Marchenko's played his first quarter of, uh, I guess, over a third of a season. So you got players who are still, everything is new. New being out west uh, in Western Canada, new being in Seattle, you know, Line A's still figuring it out. It's not like the core is as is, is established as it is in Washington where, you know, the expectations are that the window is still open and this team has got to make the playoffs in the Capitals. So they lose a couple key pieces and, and the understanding with the superstars is with Ovechkin. You can still do it with those guys. And so, you know, that's why they've added pieces in, in net and, and – um, you know, passed on some players, but they've fitted in and they've they've had a good December. But now they're 
they're trying to find their game again. So, yeah, it's it's a, it's a tough thing to watch with some teams, but I think at the end of the day, when you have the confidence in your group as they are as a core and they're together on the ice, uh, even if it's missing a piece or two, you can still do it. I think a great example is also the Penguins. And, and so, you know, that that's the difference, that they're established and the Blue Jackets are not established. And when you're not established and you have injuries, uh, that's when it gets very tough. When you talk about playoffs and that kind of experience, this group is not going to get to experience it this year. But when they went to Calgary to start that road trip, that's about as close as you can get. And you know from all the years you played in the league, it's tough to – take a regular season game and get playoff intensity in it. Although you played for the Flyers. So when you played against the Penguins, it might've been that yeah. way sometimes, but, um, but it's hard to do. And especially for a team that really nobody's, I don't want to say they're not taking them seriously, but I mean, you get the, the backup goalie every night. It's not like teams feel this is a must win game against the blue jackets that most of them probably feel like they can win. And then they're surprised when they fall behind. But the Calgary game with Johnny Gaudreau going back there had that intensity. The crowd was in it. The crowd, no matter what was going to happen with either team, the crowd was going to drag both of those teams into the game. And when we got to Edmonton, we practiced, and I talked to Kent Johnson and Nick Blankenberg and Tim Burney, and those guys that are young and they haven't had NHL playoff experience yet, just about that, and they were extremely excited about it. And I know it's only one game, maybe two, if you consider the Edmonton game because they played really well there, too. Maybe that little taste will will be enough to kind of um, you know change things a little bit with them. That that's something they want to get back to. Yeah, I think there's an emotional level there that in an 82 game season you're gonna have those moments, and that was a fun one. And you could tell they enjoyed it. I mean, I know Johnny didn't enjoy that first period, and it took him. A, I mean, he couldn't believe he got a penalty shot there and and had to go at center ice at the Saddle Dome with his old fans just enjoying every second. But if you're a young player like Bernie from Switzerland who's just starting in the NHL, like you mentioned, Johnson who's seen it on TV, I mean, you're on the ice now. You're on the bench with this guy. and So those are good moments that, that put the juice in the game. And, I, you know, it's hard to find that throughout the season uh, with a lot of match. Now there, there's some good rivals that will bring that out with the fans are into it. But, you know, that that's a big moment. I thought the physicality of that game was the one that, open the eyes for the, the team to mix with the fan base and the emotion because as an athlete, that's what you want. You want to feel like this means something. This is worth something. There's an, an urgency to, to the game. Uh, they didn't get the victory in, in overtime, but they pushed as, as hard as they could to get it. And, you know, I think that's an important thing too in a regular season is to show yourself and your group what you can do and, and what you can achieve when, you, when everyone does what they can. So I thought there were some players that, played above their level, even Jonas Corposalo was outstanding. And you need that. You need that in the season. To, to If you raise your level, I'll raise my level type of attitude. And you saw that in Calgary, and maybe that's one that sticks for, you know, the first half or the first part of the season. But, you know, you need a few more of those. You need some – and down the stretch here when they're going to be mathematically out, that's when, you know, maybe guys lighten up and play a little better. That's harder to evaluate. But it's good they got that game in there because uh, it meant so much to Johnny and the atmosphere for the young guys uh, – They'll remember it in the summer. And we're going to talk a little bit more about Johnny Gaudreau in just a bit because he'll represent the Blue Jackets in the All-Star game this weekend. Also, uh, there was a trade yesterday in the NHL we'll talk about. Bo Horvat was dealt from the Vancouver Canucks. We just saw him play against the Blue Jackets over the weekend. 
Uh, he was dealt from the Canucks, and he goes to the New York Islanders. We'll talk about that later on, too, right after we hear from Blue Jackets president of hockey operations, John Davidson. The new 2023-24 Blue Jackets ticket plans are on sale right now. They start at just 11 games. You can choose the seats and the games that you want, and you can save up to 28%. For details, go to bluejackets.com slash ticket plans. You're listening to the Inside Edge on 97.1 The Fan. Welcome back to the Inside Edge. The Blue Jackets are in their all-star break right now. Won't play a game actually until next Friday when they take on the Toronto Maple Leafs. Bob McKelligan and Jody Shelley back here with you. And right now we're joined by Blue Jackets president of hockey operations, John Davidson. J.D., it looks like a break on the calendar, but I'm sure there's never a break when it comes to you guys in the front office. The, uh, the year's been interesting. The season's been interesting. But, you know, you look at hockey at the NHL level, and it's, it's a season. 82 games plus exhibition, but it's it's a year long, year round job. It's just how it works. You're you're you just go from one project onto the next while your team's playing. If it's in season and during the off season, it's trying to get everything put in place where there's deadlines, deadlines, deadlines. So it's generally you get August off, uh, but it's 11 months of just next, what's next, what's next, and all the curveballs you get, away you go. You know, tomorrow actually is Groundhog Day. And that's probably the way it's felt for you all season long. Yeah. So many times you've gone out there and played a game, it's been the same thing over and over. Groundhog Day, guy gets hurt, you got to bring another guy in. And that's unfortunately been something you've dealt with all year. You know, I, you just hate, hate, hate excuses, but facts are facts. And uh, the toughest time is when the game's over and Mike Vogt, our, our head trainer, comes in and <laughs> tells us uh, this is a problem or this is a problem. And the odd night... Nothing tonight, and you just go, oh, thank the Lord for that one. But the, the reality is it's had a domino effect on the whole franchise. Um, when somebody gets hurt here or two or three or one night we had 11, you have to call people up from Cleveland. And then Chris Clark, who runs our Cleveland club, he has to find players to fill in for those guys from the East Coast League and other leagues around. And it, it stymies everything. It just does. After a while, you want guys that are in Cleveland, developing in Cleveland, and they may be – and they've had their share of injuries too, by the way. Uh, um, you know, you, you just can't get in sync with everything all season long. Uh, you look at Gus Nyquist. That's a, a tough injury for Gus. He's in the last year of his contract. Would something have come up at the trade deadline? Possibly. It, it uh, You know, that's a long, long, long shot now. And uh, then, you, you know, Gus himself, who's a classy – good person in his last year of his contract wanted to either stay here and play well or go somewhere else and play well get into the playoffs and earn another deal so things like this are, are really disappointing but the reality is you after games and if you haven't won or you've gotten another one or two injuries you go home and you're then you wake up in the morning you just got to figure it out get back grinding it's just what it is you can't feel sorry for yourselves you just you have to battle it's just what it is and uh Hopefully, there's going to be some silver lining in all this as, as we move forward. By the way, the injuries themselves and looking at them all, there's nothing there that um, means there's a problem somewhere, whether it be doctors or trainers or whatever. It's just not true. We've had shoulder surgeries. We've had broken feet. We've had high ankle sprains. We've had concussions. We've had broken fingers or thumbs. There's no, there's no, there's no correlation with all the injuries that have happened. It's just one of those seasons. It's just wacky. You bring up the Cleveland thing, and, and since you did, I want to ask you about this. Look, the NHL club is not making the playoffs. 
How important is it to find a way, even through all the injuries and all the roster moves you have to make, to get that Cleveland team into the American Hockey League playoffs? Because you have so many guys that you could actually send down and have get that playoff experience that will be valuable. That would be really good, really good for us. I mean, I look back at the year that Cleveland did win the championship, and we had players there that really developed. I mean, you can't, you can't pay for that experience. It's an American League team, which is a very, very good league. The league's good, period. And when you get into a playoff run and go deep, maybe even win it, that experience is invaluable. Now, when the trade deadline comes up here, we have to make uh, some some uh, some decisions on who could go down if we did send them down. You're only allowed a certain amount of call-ups after you do that. So it becomes quite complicated. But the reality is I, and we'll talk as we move along here, would like to get some guys to make sure that they're in Cleveland when that time comes. The other part is you got to get them in. They're not in right now because of all the players that have been gone from there. They've battled hard, and they're close, but they're not in. So uh, that's part of the puzzle, too. And, Jody, as you know, even if you played in the NHL all year, when you go to the American Hockey League, it's not like you're the best player in the league right away. There are adjustments that have to be made because the game is actually a little bit different there than it is here. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it, it takes it takes time. It's a lot different. I haven't watched the American League in a while, but. I would understand that it's a lot different than what we're seeing in the National Hockey And we see players come up and not have the success they've had in the American League. I think that, um, for instance, goal-scoring-wise, the goaltending is good in the American League, but it's not like it is in the NHL. Otherwise, they'd be in the NHL. Mm-hmm. So it might be a hair easier to score. Um, I, I think it's um, a little bit more undisciplined, choppy type of thing because mistakes are made. But it's still a man's league. And these, these players are physically very strong. And if you send young players there and they're not physically uh, where they're going to be, they're not matured in that, in that area, it's going to be hard. It's, it's a hard thing. Yet we've had players go there. Like Marchenko had a real good run. Now, he's a little bit older. He's going to be 23, whereas some of the other guys are 19. That's, that's a lot of difference when you're maturing your body and your mind. And uh, so, so it's it's going to be a real interesting set of discussions we're going to have over the next few weeks to try to get this all figured out. JD, you came in here um, and really changed a lot of stuff, a lot of things early when you first got with the Blue Jackets, and then you know things changed for you personally, and you came back. Where does this point with this organization compare to what, where it was when you first walked in the door? That's a really good question. I, I think for me. Right now, there's a lot of question marks. Reason being is because I we haven't seen our team, we have because of the injuries. We just haven't seen them. We don't know. Like, like for instance, the other night in in Seattle, where we had a tough start again, and then got playing in the third period. Um, Brad Larson changed and had Corrali, Sillinger, and Marchenko put together as a line, and all of a sudden that line was good. It was the best line on the ice in the third period. Both teams involved. So just just seeing that kind of stuff is interesting. However. We haven't seen players who should be in this position in that position. A lot of them are getting way more minutes than what they would normally get. And that, that it just takes away from everything. You know, some guys do, do well with it. A lot of kids that, that have come up from the minors, some of the defensemen, uh, Bjork, Bernie, others, they come up and they've played very well, and then they'll hit a wall because this league – some of those young players have never experienced the travel that you have in this league. The amount of games, especially when we had Nashville jammed in because of a cancellation. We played a lot of hockey. 
yet these these young players have tried. They're not used to it. And they're, they're learning it the hard way at the NHL level instead of learning it at the American League level. But it's a necessity because of injuries. So we've seen the good, the bad, uh, and not necessarily the ugly, but we've seen reality set in. Some of the young players that have come up really have opened their eyes. It tells me there's pretty good coaching going on in uh, in Cleveland when these kids come up and play well. It does catch up a little bit as you move along. But uh, but for me, it, it, you know, everything will be reassessed at the end of the year like we do every year, and that's our jobs, and we've got to try to figure it out. Um, uh, and, and at the same time, we have to keep going with development of, of players' bodies. Their off-seasons are hugely important. we got to really push. we got to push, 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 push for this. Um, we have to make decisions on the draft coming up. We're going to get a good pick. What's it, what's it going to be? We have to make decisions on on if we have a lot of wingers, a lot of them, and they all look pretty good. We've we got to make some decisions. got to move some people. Do what you do to try to enhance the franchise. We've got to figure out our goaltending. It's been a a uh, very interesting season with our goaltending. We've seen some really good stuff. We've seen some other stuff. Uh, both uh, Corpusalo and uh, and Tarasov had the hip surgeries, and it took them a while to get going. Um, Merz Lincolns has had a an off season. However, I liked his game in Seattle the other night. So this has got to get figured out. There's there's waivered uh, situations where Tarasov for next year will need waivers. So we're gonna have three here. I don't know. Corpy's uh, contract's going to be up. So th- these are all these decisions we've got to make, and they're, they're decisions that are going to be huge for this organization. You know, you, you, talk, you have to evaluate. I understand that, and there's challenges this season throughout the entire organization. But can you compare this situation to anyone you've seen in the league? No. no I ever? Can't, I, well, all the years I've been around, I haven't seen this ever for me. And, you know, those are the teams that I've been with, whether it be a player or even uh, when I broadcasted all the Ranger games. Uh, the Rangers at one time had just about every star in the league playing for them. Yeah. Had a gigantic payroll and uh, never made the playoffs for six straight years. That was very interesting to watch that, primarily because just because you get a lot of stars together doesn't make a team. It just doesn't. You need to be a team to win. Um, so that was interesting. But with the injury situation and uh, – and, uh, I mean – I walk by Chris Clark's office, our, our GM in Cleveland, and every day he's on the computer trying to find players. I mean, <laughs> he just is because the, they're either injured there or they're here with us. And so it's, it's, been, uh, it's been rather mind-boggling, to tell you the truth. So, you know, some teams – you look at Edmonton. That's a great example of number one picks and maybe a bad – call it a bad time. when they, It didn't really help them. They're still looking for a championship team. And you talk about the Rangers that were trying to find that back in the day when they had the Stars. So can you put too much weight in draft picks? And can you put too much weight in superstars? Because I, I go back to the team that was here when you left. And that was a really that was a, that was a team. You could feel it. Yeah. They, went, they won championships. They swept Tampa. Like that experience yeah. is so valuable. Oh, yeah. I agree with you there 100%. So and how do you get, like, yeah, it's it's it's. An, I think you have to do studies on every team in the league, yeah. where they are and how they got there, and try and figure it out. Example for me, and this is just one man's opinion. When the team beat Tampa, there was uh, there was Wierenski and Jones, and there was Gavrikov, and there was Savard, four pretty big defensemen. Now, has that changed some? Well, it hasn't in Tampa, but other teams have maybe more mobile defense and maybe some not quite as big. So you have to study it and figure it out. How often do you come across a Macar in in uh, Colorado? And what was he drafted? Four? 
Yeah, yeah, yeah I think he was fourth, fourth right? Yeah. yeah. So that kind of fell into their lap, mm-hmm. to be honest with you. So um, you just you just uh, you have to study it. You have to figure it. I think with the draft picks, for me, um, they, it is the lifeblood of a franchise. It just is. So I mean, you could sit here and go, "This team needs centers," and it's interesting because Dubois was a center who's become a very good player, but you can't hardly ever trade for them. That's why Horvat's situation's interesting in, in on the island. He he's a center. You don't find him, so you end up having to try to find a way to draft him if they're if they're there. And uh, I know last year we took two defensemen because we I mean it was wasn't hard to figure out that the back end here needs help. But whenever you draft, it still takes time. Juracek has a very good chance of being here next year. Matejchuk probably two years, and then all the others. There's about six of them. Somebody's going to pop. Somebody's going to. They just. There's got to be. So that situation, as far as the future goes, should be pretty good. But you have to get there. And then up front, um, I think this draft this year is paramount for us. You know, it might be a person that's going to step in, but it won't. I don't think. I don't care if it's Bedard or who it is. Expectations will be high, but I. It still takes a little bit of time. It just does. This is the best league in the world, and a young player like that stepping in, it's hard to be a star right off the hop. How many times has it happened? Yeah. Not not a lot, but it certainly puts you in a position where, with our club, if if we look at all those D we have coming, and we look at the forward positions. The wingers, we have a ton of wingers. This club could all grow together if we stay smartly patient with the whole thing. And that's smartly patient. Not just patient, but smartly patient. Right. And, and that brings me to – sorry, go ahead. No, Jim. I was just going to say, the other thing is surrounding them with the right people. Yeah, you know, you culture, ha- yeah. Yeah, you have to get the right um, – I think you'll expedite young players' development if you have the right culture within the organization. That's not easy to find either, you know. Nick Foligno did a good job of that with us. Um, but you have to uh, – Boone's a, a terrific leader with that type of stuff. But it's not easy. It's not easy to find, to go through what we're going through and keep the progression going. So you've got to push it all the time. That might be one of the things you can watch closely in, in tough situations. I think any business says that. When things are down – you see the character you have. That's right. And that is something. I watch you watch practice. I know you're yeah. around the team a lot. It's got to be something you're watching closely. All right? the time. All the time. You have to because the, you're not going to win unless you have the right people in place. That, and it's not just talent. It's just it's it's about inner drive. It's about character. It's about push. You know, we we uh, we played some better games since Boone Jenner's come back. And there's reasons for that. You win draws. He could drag players into the battle on the ice because of his work habits. You know, he's been asked to do a lot here, face-offs, in front of the net on the power play. Go If you're playing, uh, I don't know, where were we, in, in Vancouver, you have to go up against the other team's best center. So you're asking one person to do a lot, but we are. And he, he just thrives on all that stuff. That's, that's the character that the man has. So you keep looking for people like that. The other thing I want to ask, Bob, quickly before you jump back in is free agency. There seems to be a lot of free agents available. Some teams have like 11 guys that are yeah. – I think Washington yeah. might be up there with nine. Yeah. you got to be careful with that too. I mean, because, you know, it might be an opportunity to add some character people, some pieces you have targeted, but do you have to be, I mean, really you gotta careful? Your, you got to do your work. You have to figure out what the uh, – 
the injury history is with the player, the term that the guy wants through his agent, and the amount of money. And generally, it's a year or two too long and a million or two a year too much. So you really have to either bite the bullet and not do it or make sure or figure somewhere along the line you can do something with that situation. Now, with Johnny Goodrow, for instance, he wasn't uh, a 32-year-old, you know, and you're signing to a to a long-term contract. He's much younger than that. So I think that with a guy like Goodrow, who's had some – it's been a trying year for sure for everybody, but he's had some good ones. That game in Calgary, he, he was – he should have been first star, second star, and third star. Well, I'll put Corpy in there too. But yeah. uh, he was he was great. Uh, I I can hardly wait to see us when we turn the corner, and he's part of us where he's getting a lot more support, and and uh, to see how well he can play because that guy's a good hockey player. So yeah, you, with the free agents, it's interesting. Um, the cap is not going up much next year, so it's going to be interesting to see which teams have room to add specific free agents. It's going to be very interesting to see all that happens. How many jobs are going to be available? Um, players at certain positions are hard to find. You can't find big, mobile, good defensemen. You can't find centers. So you, you hope to draft them or else make a trade for one if you have a lot of riches in a different area, but it's hard. It's really hard. We're talking with Blue Jackets president of hockey operations, John Davidson, and we'll continue to talk right after this as the Inside Edge continues on 97.1 The Fan. Welcome back to the Inside Edge. The Blue Jackets in the midst of their all-star break. They're not going to be back on the ice until next Friday when they take on the Toronto Maple Leafs at Nationwide Arena. In the meantime, we continue our conversation with the Blue Jackets president of hockey operations, John Davidson. I want to go back to the goaltending situation you talked about a little bit ago because you said there's a lot of work to do there, and it's interesting. I think if there's one position where you've gotten a chance to see everybody at, well, I guess defense you have too, but you've seen all three of these goaltenders throughout the course of the year. And Elvis is in the first year of a five-year deal. You've got Tarasov, as you said, next year he has to have waivers. And Corpus Allo's on this expiring contract and it might end up being the odd man out. And ironically, the way it looks at this moment as we talk is you might have to part ways with the best goaltender of the three, which is kind of ironic. Yeah, it, decisions have to be made. It's, it's, um, it's, a, it's a decision that's paramount. Um, Elvis has been a good goalie here, but he's had an off year. And he's starting to fight through it now, which is good. Tarasov has a lot of calm talent. Really calm talent. Players like playing for him. But he's been banged up a fair amount. So he's got a – we're going to get him playing again in Cleveland right away. And he's going to see a lot of games. So we'll see how all that goes. Elvis, we'll see how he does the rest of the way here because he's got to work his way out of out of uh, having a, uh, a year that we expected more from and he expected more from. But it's, it's – um, it's a situation with him where I, I saw – we flew back from Seattle. You guys were on the plane. And I saw Manny Legacy, our goalie coach, sitting with Elvis, going over the uh, on the iPad the uh, tape of the game in Seattle. And I stopped by and I said, oh, it's good to see you. Uh, you look better. You look more confident. He said, thank you. And I said, just remember this. Just remember this. One, one thing. Work, 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 work. Just work. <laughs> because you, you played, Jody. Yeah. How do you get out of stuff? And I'm not saying he's not working, but there's no other way around it than working. There's just no way. Nothing else matters. It doesn't matter. I mean, working could include watching tape. It could doing a, a stretching regime before you go on the ice. 
And then once you're on there, work. I, I've seen great goalies in this game over my uh, half, a, half a century of watching this league. People like Mike Richter, people like Dominic Hochschick, people like Patrick Waugh. They just, they outworked most people. That's what they did, period. And I'm not saying, again, that Elvis doesn't work, but everybody can work harder. And it's the only way out of a funk is to work. And when you're talking about working, that's not just in games. I mean, he's no. in a situation where Corpus Allo's playing better than him, so he's going to get the reps. So that work has to come in practice. And a lot of that work is, and correct me if I'm wrong here, mental work as much as physical. Sure, sure. The thing, the thing with work in the NHL season is you don't get a lot of full practices because you're traveling, you have a mandatory day off, there's game days, et cetera. But if the other guy's playing and he's playing a fair amount, like Corpy has been lately, it gives you a little more time. So take advantage of it. Get out there early with the goalie coach. Get out there with some shooters. Do do your movement drills. Do every drill possible so that as a, as a goalie, the worst thing as a goalie when you're not playing well is you think. And when you play goal, it takes too long to think. It just does. It's got to be natural reactions, instincts, quick movements, reads where you're, you'll see a goalie lean against the post and look to his left quick and back to the right and back to the left. He's reading. He's seeing where everybody is on the ice. It's like a, taking a photograph. And if you're going to look over there and you're a little bit slow getting back because you're thinking, oh, he's over here, he's over, where's, where's Ovechkin? It's too long. It's over. Puck's in the net type of thing. That's just how it works. So you've just got to just bear down, work, and then if you're feeling good about your work habits and things, it just comes natural. And you play goal. And you, uh, next thing, good things start to happen. You're talking about uh, not having a lot of days off, not having a lot of days to practice and all that. What do you think about this break? I mean, you know, you play Tuesday. You don't play again until the following Friday. Um, you know, the, the schedule's compacted the, the rest of the way. I, I don't know. I, I understand wanting to give the guys a break, but uh, do you like the length of it? Probably a little too long. Uh, but somebody who was a management person the other day, I can't remember who it was. We've been in so many cities lately, I can't remember. But anyway, he said, uh, uh, who the heck was it? Anyway, said that, uh, yeah, the break's coming up. It's going to be interesting. I said, yeah, you think so? He says, yeah, you never know what, what you get when they come back. And I, I, I said to myself, i got to get one of our guys to do a study on the teams when they come back from the break, where they were going into the break and what they did after the break. Now, there's other ways of looking at it. Toronto, for instance, has uh, Austin Matthews out. Supposed to be out for a few weeks, but if if six, seven, eight days there's no games, he's only going to end up missing six games instead of twelve games. So that's a very helpful situation. Where if you have other players that have, um, uh, for us, let's take uh, Blankenberg with uh, with his beat up body in certain areas, he he should be 100 percent when that expires. It helps Chinikov to come back from the high ankle sprain. So there's, there's that way of looking at it. It buys time without wasting games to get players back healthy. Others, if your team is healthy and they're in a groove and they're playing great, you go, uh-oh, what's going to happen? Yeah. You know, a goalie. I, I, as a goalie in this league, I would hate to go that long without playing a game. Back, you know, just as a goalie speaking, because you, you want to play. You want to stay in that groove that you've worked for to get yourself into, and all of a sudden you're – Maybe on the beach in Mexico having a Mai Tai or whatever they're called, <laughs> a sarsaparilla, and uh, you're going, oh, my, oh, you know, so it's going to be interesting. It's a fa- Goaltenders fascinate me because, you know, and you talk about Elvis, he's barely played. And, it, and there's been injury, there's been in and out. There's no rhythm. No, that's the right. only guy that's getting rhythm is 
It's the owner's corporate salary. Lately, yeah. Yeah, that's that's why when, when like Elvis the other night played in Seattle. He hadn't played in a while. And he's worked hard. Um, the first goal, not bad. Uh, the next goal he didn't have a, a chance on. The third one, it was a pretty good goal, but you go, boy, if he was really on it, that would be the big save to make for the game because our team was really coming. It was 2-1 Seattle. We were coming. He got beat on a pretty good shot. I'm not saying it's his fault at all, but if he was really in the groove, I think he gets it. And so, so I say to uh, to Yarmo and Josh Flynn and others, I said, you know, Elvis played a pretty good game. Yeah, he did. Well, you consider how much he's played – and it, it was back-to-back. He hadn't practiced for a day or so um, because of the game the night before in Vancouver. There was no ice that day. He had to go in there in a, in a, in a situation where he's trying to find the top of his game. And he, and he played pretty well. So I, I often found um, one reason I retired, I was at 29 years of age. I had had knees and backs and everything else. I got sick and tired of coming back from injury in the middle of the season. And it's so damn hard. To get all of a sudden you get in there and the game is going 100 miles an hour and you want it to slow down to 20 miles an hour and it's going 100 miles an hour and you go holy jeez and it takes you a couple of games to get back into that rhythm, so it's not easy for these guys. It's not. It's been, it's been uh, a tougher situation than it would be normally. Did you have video when you were in that? Not much. No, no. Uh, actually, when I first retired, I became a. Um, I guess uh, assistant coach type thing with the Rangers and we would travel and I'd bring a camera. The the one you stuck on your shoulder, those VCRs where they were, well, I don't know what they're called, but they it's were like big. the old cell phones. Yeah. Yeah. They're a little bigger than what they are now. And I'd find a spot and I'd tape the game. And then, uh, um, we'd, we'd show some of the players this and that. Barry Beck was a defenseman back yeah. in the ring. He didn't like it. He didn't want to see himself make a mistake. Oh, he got pissed. He was mad. He didn't <laughs> want everyone else to see it. No. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, some others loved it. Loved it. So, no, I I, I, uh, I watch some uh, NHL network, and I see some old games that I'm playing, and I'm going, oh, my God. Through the legs, pass. through the legs again. Oh my! <laughs> I sure couldn't handle a puck, could I? <laughs> but you played on feel, right? That's yeah. my point. Is yeah. that sometimes there's too much? You see too much, you th- and especially yeah. for a goal, you think too much. I know there's a lot of value in it, but when you're not playing and you're wondering and you're searching, I wish I had a goalie coach when I was younger. I bet I had uh, Wayne Thomas retired as a goalie, and he ended up helping us in New York, and right at the end of my career. But he was very helpful. Like mentally? Well, it was two or three different things. Not so much mentally. It was more uh, getting a person ready to play. And, and uh, the practices by, by design with movement drills. I used to be in the net, and he'd stand behind leaning on the net. He'd put five pucks around the crease. One on the left post, and then one, then one right in the middle, one on the right of that, and then one at the other post. Like a semicircle, and number them, one, two, three, four, five. And he'd yell three, and I'd go out to a three. Then he'd yell five, and I'd go to five. He'd yell one, I'd go over to one, and Four, two, five, three, one. Just movement drills. And those are the subtle little drills you make as a goalie in a game, which I hadn't done a lot of. But he that was just one drill out of 100. And uh, I we didn't have it. And I think that having a goalie coach at a younger age, you can uh, become a better goalie earlier than what we used to. When, when I played, the goalies that got into the big-time groove were 27, 28 years of age. Then it all changed. Uh, Tom Barrasso came into Buffalo, and he was a really good goalie at a very young age. But I think it's because a lot of it, they had the coaching growing up where they understood the position a lot more. 
as uh, as you started your career so you could get to the big leagues at a younger age because you were better it was interesting that, that's a great point and um and now guys are making a fortune off that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. If they're good. Yeah. If no, they're, you're if right. If they're good, they're hard to find. It's like anything else. You know, a good a good uh, bullpen coach, a good pitching coach, a good hitting coach in baseball. Try to find them. Offensive uh, 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 coordinators in football, defensive coordinators. They're the ones that get the jobs for a head coach as you move along. Those those good ones make a big difference. Right. And, yeah. and, and to take it a step further there, when you're talking about the goalies now being ready younger – it's a younger league. I mean, you yeah. you want them ready yeah. younger when it comes to signing contracts and the, the length of time that players are under your control yeah. and all that. Oh, yeah, it's it's interesting. A lot more international hockey than there ever was when we played. You know, they've got all kinds of tournaments all over the place. And, you know, the Halenka and the under-18, the under-20, this, that, this, that, this, that. And by the time you get into this business, you're, you're, you're a seasoned guy. It's pretty interesting, even though you're still very young. And I guess the only thing that would, well, the mind is probably stronger than what it used to be because you're, uh, you've are you been through the pressure of playing, but the body's still the body. And it takes until you're 22, 23 before you, you know, you start to see a guy really fill out and get a lot stronger. I just think about, too, as a young guy coming in with that coach that understands what you're going through, what you what's expected of you? You, you kind of have it laid out for you with a goalie coach. Yeah, I think when I you're think, playing, even. I yeah, guess. yeah, that's right. I mean, the uh, the good coaches really rely on their goalie coach. You know who should play, and a good coach also should go with his own instincts. Sometimes he's, you know, I'm going to disagree with you. I'm going to go with that guy, and that's their jobs. But uh, it's it's business. It's um, for the goalie coach. You need the relationship, and it's got to be not just a friendly relationship. It's sometimes you got to be hard. Uh, you just do, and uh, I, I think a good goalie coach is really worth worth the business. Your goalie coach is Manny Legacy, yeah. as you talked about earlier, and he's a guy that he's got a Stanley Cup ring. I mean, yeah. he and, and he and he played with some really good guys too. What's that experience been like for the goalies you have right now? Well, I think he has a good relationship with our goalies. I've known Manny a long time. I, we uh, we got him to play <laughs> my first year in St. Louis as a management guy. Oof, were we bad? And uh, the owners, before we got there, had sold off Chris Pronger and this and that and this and that. So this is going to be a tough one, this one. And uh, we didn't have a goalie. Just didn't have a goalie. So late August, we found Manny and signed him. And he came in, and he ended up playing in the All-Star game, which was which was pretty good <laughs> considering <Wow>. the whole <laughs> situation, you know. And uh, so he's, he's a likable person. He's he, uh, The goalies certainly like him, so... It's uh, it, it's always interesting, this business. He played all those years in Detroit where they had a, a heck of a franchise. And I, I would think his experience level of dealing with whether it be the Steve Eisermans or Fedorovs, all those guys, or I think Scotty Bowman was there. I'm not 100% sure, but I, I, uh, I really like Scotty Bowman, even at his age now, which is around 90, uh, when we bump into him in Tampa Bay and you sit and talk to him. He's sharp as a tack. Yeah. He's just sharp, and uh, I, I love I love uh, talking to him about hockey. First thing he told me, he said, John, you know what you got to do when you get to a team? I said, what's that, Scott? He said, get rid of the dead wood. <laughs> <laughs> Easy for He's you to wrong. say, Scott. Yeah. <laughs> 
Oh, goodness gracious. You're going to get a mental break on this uh, break? as you. I mean, you guys got the trade deadline essentially coming up in a month, so yeah. I, I know it's a lot, not a lot of downtime, as I joked uh, with I you about earlier. Buzz off for a couple of days yeah. and my wife goes south. and uh, Not long, though. Um, I have a dog. I don't like leaving my dog. <laughs> Just being honest. Um, you have a chance to see the grandkids. I've got five little boy grandchildren. And they are a riot. They're six and a half and younger, and they're a riot. So I'll see them for a couple of days, and then get right back at it. How many days can you handle that physically? Oh, the last one at Christmas, I came home for a rest. <laughs> and then when they were uh, they were here for Thanksgiving, and when they left, I had to get a, a contractor to come in and paint some walls and fix some holes. <laughs> Boys, are we, we had two daughters, and uh, they were great, absolutely fantastic. Five little boys, that's a different story. Uh, they're fantastic and they're a blast, but they, they get up at six in the morning and they go to six or seven at night and don't stop. Never seen anything like it in my whole life. It's I've a different kind like of busy. Yeah, oh, I'll say. <laughs> you know, don't, no, you can't t- Get off that. You're, no, don't climb the Christmas tree. You know, stuff like that. <laughs> they're a riot. Uh, well, thank you so much for oh, sitting pleasure. down with yeah. us. It's always great to get the insight from you and, and what's going on and uh, your thoughts on everything. So thank you very oh, much. Good. I enjoyed it, guys. That's, Enjoy your uh, break. Get through the rest of this thing and see some kids play hard. All right. Thank you. John Davidson, he is the president of hockey operations for the Blue Jackets. We'll come back and wrap up this week's edition of the Inside Edge right after this on 97.1 The Fan. Join us for Blue Jackets Hockey and Hockey is for Everyone Night, presented by Voris as the Blue Jackets take on the Toronto Maple Leafs next Friday at 7 o'clock at Nationwide Arena. Everybody that comes to the game will receive a silicone bracelet. For tickets, go to bluejackets.com slash tickets. Well, we just heard from John Davidson. Jody, he broke it down perfectly. What else is new? That's what he does. He's been so eloquent for so long. And when you listen to him talk, it's it's just that really relaxing, almost like, hey, don't worry about it. We're going to take care <laughs> of it. We just know we can't do it right now. Soothing. Yeah, yes. John Davidson, you know, Hall of Fame broadcaster, and you could tell he's got the pulse of the team. And, and something that stuck out in the interview that he said a lot was they have a lot of hard decisions to make, and that's where they're at. They're – Extremely disappointed, obviously. Uh, they're trying to get as a realistic look at what they have as they can. And it's always great to catch up with them. I think it's an important part of his job to let the fans know and let us know kind of where their head's at. Because we're fans, too, at the end of the day. And, and you know, he, he gets that. So uh, great to catch up for that long. It was probably the longest interview we had all season. But I feel like we could have had uh, we could have had another couple hours with him. Yeah, it, it, you almost feel like you're sitting right next to the fireplace with the snow coming down <laughs> when he talks, and you could sit there with your hot chocolate forever. Um, the NHL All-Star Weekend is coming up in Sunrise, Florida, and Johnny Gaudreau has been selected to represent the Blue Jackets in the festivities. Now, you could make this argument. There are a lot of star players that seem like they come up uh, injured, not feeling well, just unable to make it for the All-Star festivities every year. Remember when it was nation at Nationwide Arena? Sidney Crosby just came up a little bit sore right before yeah. the game. Uh, so you don't always get the big stars that show up. But Johnny Gaudreau has shown up each and every year. And uh, yesterday, he was asked... Why is that? Why, when so many star players seem like they find a way out, what is it that keeps it fresh for you, Johnny? My family. I mean, they take off three, four days every year hoping that I make the All-Star game. So um, they always uh, are fired up when I get when I get selected. Uh, you know, I get to spend so much time with my family down there. Um, 
in the past, you know, playing in Calgary, you know, you don't get to see your family, you know, too too much all playing all the way out there and playing in the Western Conference. So uh, those were big big weekends for me. You know, I really looked looked forward to that. And um, you know, this weekend's going to be just the same though. Uh, even though I've gotten to see him a lot more, um, just love spending time with them. You know, uh, hanging out with them and uh, get to hang out with my nieces and you know see my mom, my dad, uncles. Uh, you know, you name it, a lot, all of them come down. So that's something that Johnny said right from the start. When he signed with the Blue Jackets, family was a big part of that reason. Now, you know, the naysayers wanted to say, well, it wasn't with the Devils and it wasn't with the Flyers, and that's close. But as we've determined, and he has said many times, Columbus is close enough. Six hours by car, an hour in a plane, and family is – and I love that for him. I love that his family takes off. I love when he said – they hope I make the All-Star game. I think it's a pretty good bet. <laughs> but uh, but he looks forward to spending that time with them. Yeah, I mean, he he's that's great to hear that. You know, it's different things for different people. And the NHL always puts on awesome events. We've been to the All-Star. Uh, we've been to the draft. I think I've been to the award show. You know, the, the outdoor games are spectacles. They do an excellent job taking care of the players and the families. And, and I think that to hear him say that, enjoy it, but also be on the ice. And I like that because a lot of these sports, you sit back and wonder, what's it like for these guys? Or do they really want to be there? And when you have that attitude that all your people involved can enjoy it, well, it just speaks volumes about him and, and the kind of kind of event. Plus, it's in Florida this year, which, you know, it's probably a pretty good time to get down there. And we should ask him what's he doing the next six days he's got off because, hey, you know, maybe he stays in the he parent- He's going to stay for a bit. Yeah, that's excellent. So good for him. And there, there's a there, there's a trip around the All Star game, and I think a lot of guys like that. Lewin was in Vegas the other year. I mean, Vegas, Wierenski was there. His family was there. They got to enjoy it. So it, it's it's a wonderful time of year, and and to break up the break a little bit because it gets a little long. To be honest with you, if you're going to go for a trip right away, and then you're like four days in, it's like okay, I got I got to get back in the season here. I remember with the Olympic breaks being. 14 days, I think, once, or 10 days, you're like, wait a second, I, you know, this has to, i got to rev the engine back up. So, yeah, I think it's wonderful, and, and the Blue Jackets have a nice break where it starts with the All-Star game, and then it ends with the break. Some teams have already had their break, goes in the All-Star game, then they start up the Tuesday after, I think, or the Monday. So, uh, the way this one is approached for the Blue Jackets, I think the Capitals, too, after last night, All-Star and then break, so it's good for the players that way. All right, one more thing before we uh, finish this up tonight is the trade was made yesterday. Remember a couple of weeks ago I said to you, it'll be interesting to see what the Islanders do because all summer it was talked about they're going to get this guy, they're going to get that guy, and then they did absolutely nothing. And I had asked you, are they going to be players at the trade deadline? They were players this week. They get Bo Horvat out of Vancouver. Anthony Beauvillier goes back the other way. Um, uh, Artu Ratu goes back as a prospect guy and also first-round pick, which is protected in the top 12 there for the Islanders. See, everybody learned that lesson from the Florida Panthers. That's right. And they gave away that first-round pick to Montreal, and now the Panthers teetering, maybe missing the playoffs. And, and it and could that, be the first overall. Yeah, exactly. So um, so that trade was made. What would you think about that? I thought it was pretty good. I mean, Bo Horvat, um, you know, he's one of those players that you would think, how could Vancouver lose this guy? But they've put their money elsewhere, and they've got Thatcher Demko, J.T. Miller, Quinn Hughes. They've got some good pieces that they're going to build around um, Brock Besser. So now the Horvat becomes expendable because they can't agree on a contract that fits into their future cap. So it's uh, it's interesting to me, a number one center or a top center that can play both ends, has over 30 goals already. Uh, he's an unrestricted free agent. 
So whether I would think Lamorello has a deal to sign him, but I could be wrong. Maybe it's just a rental because he figures that with the group he has, he has to get in. I, I don't mind it. I mean, Beauvillier is a, a, a good player. He's an NHL-established player who can play uh, big minutes in, in some situations. And now you've got Ratu, who's, you know, what is he? But you also have a first-round pick. So, obviously, it was time to move it. The noise around there was getting a little loud anyways with the way they're playing and a new coach. And so it's transition time in Vancouver. Um, I thought it was good. I love it for the Islanders. Uh, you know, I, I could Vancouver have gotten better? Maybe. Uh, but I like it for the Islanders because now down the middle, they're even stronger. And when you're in a locker room and you see your organization go and make a, a big move like that, it gives you a lot of a lot of excitement because I imagine things have been a little stale in Long Island uh, for a while now. They just seem to be that team that is nondescript in a lot of ways. And to get, uh, get a score like Horvat there – that's going to come in and be excited and try to push them into the playoffs, they're going to have some some um, some pop. Yesterday when I was going through all the uh, pundits that were rating the trade, you know which ones that I didn't t- I didn't pay any attention to? The ones that said R2 Ratty. Yeah. Because his, his name is R-A-T-Y, but it's Ratu. Anybody that couldn't say the name right, I knew Well, you've been to Finland, so you have an advantage there. <laughs> Right. I knew I didn't have to pay attention to any of those. So. <laughs> Jody, thank you very much. Enjoy your break and uh, in the time with the family. Yeah, you too, Bob. Thank you. All right. That is Jody Shelley, and that's going to wrap up this week's edition of the Inside Edge. We'd also like to thank President of Hockey Operations, John Davidson, for joining us tonight. And enjoy your break as well. The Blue Jackets back on the ice next Friday at home against the Toronto Maple Leafs at Nationwide Arena. Until then, I'm Bob McElligot saying so long, and thanks for listening to the Inside Edge on 97.1 The Fan.